United Lutheran Seminary presents the Seminary Explorers podcast, conversations on faith, art, people, politics, theology, life, and more, with voices from around the corner and around the globe. Welcome to the Seminary Explorers. I'm Katie Giebenhain. My guest is Chris Glatfelter. Glatfelter served as executive director of the Adams County Arts Council since 2001. She retired in December after an incredible tenure and has been part of the Arts Council since its founding in 1993. The Adams County Arts Council works with more than 30 schools, nonprofit organizations, social service agencies, and local government partners to cultivate a strong, arts-rich community. Glattfelter grew up in Gettysburg and studied theater at Temple University. Her training has been valuable for small and large-scale performance projects, from the Gettysburg Festival to the Continental Harmony piece for the American Composers Forum to local productions she helped direct. Chris Glattfelter, welcome to the Seminary Explorers. Thank you, Katie. So you now have a key to the borough <laughs> presented by the county commissioners. I hate to brag, but actually I have three. Ah, you do? Yes. <laughs> awesome. I have one from the old days where they actually gave you the key, oh. not on a plaque. And I tell you, those, those are prized possessions. That first one was given to me by uh, Mayor Troxell. Oh. The Arts Council produced at Gettysburg's New Year's Eve celebration for the past 17 years and decided to give it up in 2020. And of course, there was no celebration this year. But the other two were presented by uh, Mayor Streeter, uh, one on our 25th anniversary celebration in 2018, and then this year when I retired. So I, I value them. Excellent. You've got the, the triple power. I, I do. I do. <laughs> I also have to feel to say I have this uh, this impulse almost as with someone who's in the military to say thank you for your service. Oh, my I goodness. do. It has been it has truly been long and I mean varied is even an understatement um, when you look at the, the types of projects and and endeavors uh, involved. Could you describe um, the very beginning of the Arts Council, you know, how it came to be. And behind this question is also not only here, but why it's important to have a constant source of arts programming in a county like this, not just in big cities. Judy Marty, an organic farmer and banjo player, and Mark Merrifield, who at the time was the director of the Adams County Library, we're both in uh, what is now community media, our, our local access uh, television station. They both happen to be in the studio at the same time for an interview of some sort, I think. And they started talking about um, what a shame it was that our, in several Adams County school districts, the arts were getting slashed from the budget and getting cut right out of the curriculum and is there something that is concerned citizens we can do about that? So rather than just moan and cry, they decided to do something. Uh, Mark offered the library. They put out um, you know, some press releases. Who would like to come join us and talk about what we can do in Adams County to promote the value of the arts? And that was how it got started on a very grassroots level. 
um, when Judy invited the director, the executive director of the Chambersburg Arts Council to come talk to us and explain what, to some of us, to explain what an arts council uh -huh. is and does and what they were doing in Chambersburg, I think those of us at the table really felt that an arts council was the way to go. Um, and why is it important in, in a small community like Adams County? Our mission is to cultivate an arts-rich community, and in many aspects we started in an arts-poor community, particularly in terms of the exposure to the arts that many students in our school districts uh, received. And one of the one of the things we did in uh, for many years, uh, program excellent programs uh, through a grant, we were able to bring in artists that spent time in residency at local school districts. And to do that, we had the support of local businesses that would provide the additional funding that we needed. And literally tens of thousands of students benefited from those artist residencies in a wide variety of media. And when you stop to think about the fact that that was, in many instances, the first live exposure those students ever had to any sort of arts, I, to me that means that it was very important. Absolutely. Wow. When you're looking back on all of the, oh, not just the, the activities and the projects, but um, and it's it's tricky to ask about highlights, um, but I think the certainly the education building is has got to be one of those, and what it has in, what it has made possible, and the way that that shifted the gears of the kind of you know programming that you're able to uh, provide. Could you say something about how that came about? And one of the first things the New Arts Council did was conduct a community-wide assessment. What do you want this new Arts Council to do? And through funding, we were able to hire some people to coordinate that. It was a very thorough process. Teachers, students, parents, local government, uh, local audience members, uh, local businesses. And the results of that survey, which basically was more arts for children, more funding for the arts, more opportunities for local artists, that survey guided our path. And over the years, we conducted similar surveys. In 2008, our board thought it was time for a new strategic plan. So they hired a consultant to conduct another survey that would um, determine what should be in the strategic plan. Uh, we called it the Big Canvas. and. That, I think, also was a very thorough process. We had more than 80 people from the community uh, in in-person meetings tell us what they wanted, basically an echo of what we heard in the early days. Uh, more opportunities for children, 
particularly children from low-income families, that cost should never be a barrier between children and the arts. More opportunities for local artists. Focus energies on providing programming for our older citizens. But one of the highlights of the results of, of that survey was Okay, we know you have a small one-room schoolhouse at the Times Square building beside your office. You have a small office space where you are offering classes. We love the fact that you're offering classes for children and adults. You're having small arts exhibits. You can't do what the community needs you to do in that tiny little space. We're telling you what we want you to do. We want you to go big. We want you to, we've seen what you have done in the past. We want you to be able to expand your offerings, put it all under one roof. And that formed the basis of a strategic plan that did not get dusty on the shelf, that our board acted on immediately and went out, started searching um, just to see what was available in the community in terms of buildings, looking for what funding uh, might possibly be out there, uh, making plans to conduct a, a feasibility study to see if a capital campaign for a new building might be successful. And that's, that's how that center began. It was through overwhelming um, community support that we were able to raise the money in conjunction with a mortgage loan from the USDA. The Department of Agriculture has mortgages available for education projects in rural communities. So we were able to uh, uh, get that in place. Uh, we worked with local architect, Gary uh, Schaefer, who did a great job for us. And we're able to open that center in 10 inches of snow in late October, a very unusual early snow in October of uh, 2011. And it has been, it has been remarkable to see us grow since that time. And I won't kid you, it is, it is no small feat to make a, a facility like that financially feasible. So that is an ongoing challenge for us but uh, through the fantastic team uh, that we've had at the uh, Arts Education Center, Wendy Higas, Judy Marty, our founder, still working on, on grants, Becca Riley, uh, Terry Adamick, uh, Lisa Cadigan, and our new executive director, Leona Riga. Uh, we have gotten to the point where if there is something that you're looking for in terms of the arts, you can find it at our center. And if we don't have it, we'll work with you to, to provide that kind of programming. If you visit the Arts Council's website across the homepage of adamsarts.org, you'll see the words, the arts and you. And what our Arts Council is about and what the Arts Education Center offers is an opportunity for you to interact with the arts beyond being a passive audience member. And there is nothing wrong with being a passive audience member. That is great too. But if you want to learn how to do something that perhaps, like play the musical keyboard, play the piano, something you did when you were younger and then you had to get a job and family and, and now you have time 
you can come there and learn that at your own speed in a small group setting with excellent instructors. I think um, what that center has been able to accomplish in terms of support for local artists has really been remarkable. I think I think this is right. Several thousand artists, now some of these are group shows, but several thousand artists work as displayed there each year and uh, gives people an opportunity to interact with the artists and um, to get to know them and to follow their work and hopefully to purchase it because artists need to eat too. Yes, and the fact that there's there are actually three different um, rooms that can be used yes. for exhibit space. I mean, that's really stellar. It's really, um, it's a lot of uh, space that can be devoted to that. And as you well know, uh, on our second floor, we have artist studios. And uh, before I retired, I could see Katie up there every once in a while <laughs> working. Um, but in that sense, we serve as an incubator for small arts businesses which are so important to the economic growth of, of our community. And if, if, if I could have three wishes, one of them would be to see South Washington Street evolve into an artist neighborhood with our center as the keystone of it. And, you know, just like bakers of old you know your shops on the first floor you live on the second floor i think that um that would just be fabulous that would that would be amazing some of the partnerships um that you have um worked on are so interesting because even though i mean the the arts council has continued to grow and in its own right to be such a such a presence but um, a lot of the programming, I mean, I can't, <laughs> I can't even begin to list all of the, um, these incredible partnerships. So even, for example, with the, with the annual art exhibit that's shown in, um, in the Schmucker Gallery on the Gettysburg uh, College campus. So, you know, you start, you organize the, the annual show at the, at the Arts Council, but there is um, another venue outside of your building where that's shown. It's a beautiful gallery um, on the, the college campus. And even here at, at Waldo's, I have to say, I remember a lovely invisible moment um, that I think of as kind of the metaphor for the Arts Council, which is there was... Um, there was a, a fundraising dinner here. The, the inside of Waldo's had been transformed. It was absolutely gorgeous. This, um, this hand-cooked uh, dinner, we had arts programming. It was, um, it was just a gorgeous evening. And I remember um, Chris said, you know, the, the tables and the, the chairs, oh, the, the, the Arts Council loaned, loaned those to us. And I remember thinking like, this is, this is also what the Arts Council is about, because there are some extremely high profile things, you know, some of the festivals, some of the large programming that takes place, but also in a quiet way, if I hadn't asked, I wouldn't even have known that, that there's also like, oh yes, we're also loaning the, the chairs and tables for this other, you know, a, a partnership, a sort of kindred, sp kindred spirit in, in the community and some of the hospital programming. And, you know, you could just go on and on. Um, 
Is there something that, that you could also tell us about the, the partnerships? And it seems like from the very beginning that has been, that has been a conscious decision. One of the very first programs uh, that we started, and it's ongoing, is our STAR grant, where we are the conduit for funds from our local government. Uh, Adams County commissioners have supported this project from the very beginning. We're so grateful for that. And from the Robert C. Hoffman Trust, we are able, uh, through that STAR grant, to uh, make awards to local arts presenters, schools, and artists. And I'm happy to say that Waldo's uh, has benefited from that STAR grant before. And the, the importance of, of that grant, it allows us to accomplish our goal to support the work of local artists and arts presenters. And if we can help uh, an artist's cooperative like Waldo's, that I admire what they do here tremendously. And I, I'm a big fan of Chris as an organizer and as an artist. Uh, if we can help them in any way, that's, that's what I have always thought that we should do because we stand alone in some things that we present, but we stand as an organization that is a member of this community and work together, as you pointed out, with 30-some with um, other organizations and schools and one of the most imaginative of these partnerships, um, Judy Marty came up with this. I often say that she's the brains of the organization. She's come up with all the really cool programs we've done over the years. It's called Eat Smart, Play Hard. And you would not necessarily think that the arts and um, culinary programs go hand in hand, but indeed they do. Eat Smart, Play Hard um, was initially funded through Wellspan uh, and Wellspan uh, Gettysburg Hospital, through Healthy Adams County, uh, a variety of funders, and it is a program where children come after school, they work with a chef and a nutritionist who show them their way around the kitchen, who uh, instruct them in what, what are healthy choices, and what aren't, and how you can make some things that you really like in a, a more healthy manner. And um, they come for a series of six weeks. They learn every, as much as you possibly can in six weeks on the, the nutrition spectrum, and also you know, how to use a knife, how to do things in the kitchen that they, they previously weren't able to do, and at the end of the six weeks, and they get to eat what they, they make at the end of six weeks, all the parents are invited, and the students make a healthy meal for the parents. Uh, there have been many Latino students that have been a part of this uh, process, so in many ways, they are teaching their parents um, some healthy options that they didn't necessarily um, grow up with. That program has also benefited um, students with autism from the Upper Adams program. And that instructor shared, um, shared a communication she had with a former student who had been through our program. And he wrote to her and said, how much I appreciated Eat Smart, Play Hard, because I've graduated, I'm on my own now, and I know how to make myself oh. a healthy meal. Wow, yeah. And I wouldn't have known that if you hadn't taken us to this program and thank you. And 
making a small change for the better in people's lives is what we can do at that center. Absolutely. Wow. I'm also curious to know, <clears throat> as someone who's um, also heard a lot of feedback and um, in the, the course of uh, the work that you've done in the arts about um, some of the ass assumptions that people make about the arts, um, at, which can be, I mean, sometimes sort of funny, sometimes uh, very frustrating, but you know, just honestly, I'm, I'm curious about uh, something that might come to mind um, because you're making the case for how vital this is and a lot of people get it, but a lot of people don't. So, One I have heard from the beginning, continue to hear. I think this didn't start, you know, 25, 30 years ago. I think this has been um, an aspersion cast on the arts for centuries. Oh, the Arts Council, that's an elitist organization. Oh, oh. And that drives me crazy. Um, you're not listening to what we say. You're not seeing what we do, if you believe that. One of the main goals we have is to provide programming for children from low-income families at no cost to that family. And we have been very aggressive in generating full scholarship dollars for those students. Uh, some of that in reference to the Arts Council is, oh, look at how much you're charging for this. And you have to go back and explain that programs like what we offer are not inexpensive. Right. Um, that we have qualified teachers and we pay them. They are artists. They deserve to be paid. The plumber doesn't come to your house and do a service just because he could offer it for free. That's not, yep. That is not how this works. And our current board, um, chaired by Roger Lund, this past summer, prior to hiring our new executive director, conducted a survey. And one of the things I was so happy to see in the, the results of that survey the majority of people, and it wasn't just a small majority, thought that our programs were priced about, that our classes were priced about right. Now, you know, on the other hand, when we do fundraising events like we must, and if you do a, a black tie gala, people are gonna say, I can't afford to go to that, the Arts Council is elitist. Well, no, we're not. But we do raise money in a variety of different ways. We raise that money so that we can provide the opportunity for you to interact with the arts, regardless of means. Right, and there's uh, throughout the year, there are a lot of different opportunities. If someone doesn't want to go to a gala, there are many other ways to support the Arts Council. And also, it's a point where you're engaging um, there's a site, there's a caterer, there's a performer, you know, it's also a way of the very act of putting a gala on is also supporting the arts, right? And it's also um, a very intense and creative endeavor. So um, just be, 
and also to just look at one thing and, and say that that defines the rest of it. And, uh, and the money that's raised goes directly back to the program. Right. So. right. And, you know, I, I often think that, and this is not just for the people in Adams County, I think this holds true somewhat everywhere, People get set in their ways. And if they have absolutely no interest in the arts, it's more likely that their children have no interest in the arts. Yeah. But if you can't bring the parents into the family, so to speak, because we have such a good relationship with the arts teachers, particularly the visual arts teachers in our local school districts, and feature their children's work at our center, uh, on a yearly basis, um, you might not be able to get the parents, but you can get the kids. And you can introduce them. No, their teachers have already introduced them, but you can give them further opportunities. I know several people from Upper Adams, uh, where I live, who have I've run into, and, they, uh, and they've asked what I do, and they say, oh, yes, my daughter had her artwork exhibited there and we came in to see it and she was really proud of that and I think that that small act alone helps us uh, work toward uh, meeting our mission. Absolutely there is something different about you know you can you can show I'm just saying this with visual art it applies to you know literary and musical and all kinds of other things but if you show one thing to one person that's a certain act but when you are involved in a collaboration like that and the students are showing <clears throat> their work and the parents come in and they see, oh, this is what you did and this is, you know, what your friend and your classmates did in the same way that, um, you know, a juried show is different because you've got uh, professional artists and you and you have an, an outside um, juror um, that, that comes and is selected and that's a different process, but still it's really important um, for the artist to be able to stand in the company of others, um, even though it's it's their work that they've done, and yet that's part of it too. Um, and it's it's hard. These things do take you know space and money and time, and sometimes it's easy to to underestimate that when you're looking at the at the results. And I think when when people also people don't realize how expensive art supplies are, for example, right. <laughs> you know. So there's a there's a lot of there are a lot of things in the background that uh, that contribute to really making it um, you know an investment. And anytime there's there's an experience like this where whether you're participating yourself or whether um, whether you're on like the audience end as you were talking about earlier, there are so many different ways to engage. And some people like to engage in a lot of different ways. They might be an artist themselves and then very happy to be just more passively, you know, watch it, enjoying and watching something um, or learning something new or teaching something someone uh, something new to someone else or also um, being surprised at how things can be combined in ways you might never have thought before. And so and you can't really do that on your own. And so that's that that can be exciting when you see things coming together, sometimes unexpectedly in the midst of projects. Right. Absolutely. I think one of the, we were talking about partnerships and one of the, the, the partnership areas and uh, programs we're really proud of, uh, the healing arts program that we've developed, uh, again, with Wellspan 
Gettysburg Hospital and, and many different uh, program partners. And I think more and more as we hopefully come out of this pandemic, I think we are going to understand more fully how important the arts are um, in terms of healing mind, body, and spirit and the mental health benefits of the arts as we have all gone through a, a very, very tough time. And the, the research is remarkable that the in many in many cases being engaged with the arts is more powerful medicine than a pill and i think that that is something that um i certainly think that at the arts council that's something that will continue to focus on all the many lots of different programming opportunities for you to just improve the way you feel and improve the quality of your life. Absolutely. And I think also, I was, I was when I was cleaning up my desk, I came upon an, a speech from not too long ago where I used the phrase where we can all come together and under one roof, breathing the same air. And I'm thinking, well, it's a good thing I'm retiring because we certainly, <laughs> certainly can't be using breathing the same air anytime again soon. But, okay, Zoom is great. Virtual's great. We need to get back together and breathe the same air metaphorically because that's where, that's where you find the power of the arts together with each other. Oh, Chris, thank you so much for your time. Um, and thanks to our listeners. You've been listening to The Seminary Explores. I'm your host, Katie Giebenhain. My guest has been Chris Glatfelter, recently retired executive director from the Adams County Arts Council. Visit the Arts Council online at adamsarts.org to see all the great things that are brewing. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Katie. You have been listening to The Seminary Explores, a production of United Lutheran Seminary with campuses in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We invite you to visit our website at unitedlutheranseminary.edu. Opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of United Lutheran Seminary or the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America.